0: La Iglesia Spring of Life Fellowship y su pastor Joaquín Molina le invita a escuchar un mensaje de restauración y fortaleza para su vida. Sea parte de la visión cambiando el mundo. ...with everything that goes on in your house. It all is attributed to your goodness. As you have promised to build your church... And the gates of hell will not stand against it. So we pray, Lord, that you continue to enlarge your church. And that it might be a light that is placed on a hill for many to come and see. And be instructed of the Lord and follow his ways. We pray that your word this morning would be a seed in our hearts planted. A good seed planted in a good fertile of our sincere hearts. That we might give forth fruit for your kingdom. And allow your word not to return void, but to fulfill that which you sent it out. And we give you thanks for the opportunity and the privilege to find ourselves in the gathering of your people, hearing your voice. We give you thanks as we welcome your word into our hearts that we might not sin against you, but that we might flourish in your purposes. And we ask you to prosper your word in our lives, in our families. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. What we are partaking of as we call the church, I want to show a real quick video so that this is part of the message this morning. And you need to know what the church is. About two years ago, a man came into church and he was mocking what we're doing in this place. He was totally trampling without any, no regard with regards to what the church is. And so I asked him. I called him over. I said, listen, you cannot be in this place. This is called the holy gathering. This is a gathering of those who honor God, who love God, who want to grow in God. And we take these things very serious. And so um, I said, tomorrow we'll have breakfast. You call me and I spent three hours with him over breakfast explaining to him what the church was. There's not supposed to be anybody in church that is not a thriving member of the church. A lot of times we like to invite our non-believing friends to church and they sit here the whole time very frustrated. They don't understand the purpose of church. They don't know what church is all about. Church is not a place where you go as a visitor and you're nonchalantly uh, participating. Each one of you becomes a member of the church. It's almost like becoming a nose You don't show up sometimes. Your nose goes with you wherever you go because you do a function that serves the body. Your ear doesn't decide to stay at home and you come here and you hear nothing because the ear needs to be part of the church. And every single person that the Lord adds to his church serves a function for the benefit of us all, whether it be an eyeball, an ear, a nose, a lung, a heart, a liver, a kidney, an artery, what part of your body would you not want? So the same manner, the church is the living body of Christ and every single person serves a purpose, whether you're in the development to grow up to serve that purpose or whether um, you're like the, uh, I believe it's the, can't get it right now, um, one of the members of your body is right there and it's it's a, it's part of your body but it's not very functional but we'll we'll get into that now. Let's watch this video real quick and you're asking yourself what am I doing here this morning and why have I come? Let's watch the video.
1: What is the church? Is the church a building? Is the church a pastor? Or the staff? Is the church the music, the tradition, or the ministries? These are all good things, but they are not the church. Take them away and the church is still here. Why? because you are still here. The church is you. The church is you with a purpose. The church is you on a mission. The church is you with a plan, a simple plan to plug into God at a weekend service charge up in a small group community, to live out using your gifts and passions, and to pass on your faith to those who do not know Christ. When you and I live like this, all the things we used to do in church become things we do as the church. God desires it. The world needs it, and we are called to be it. What is the church? The church is you.
0: I can't think of anything more important to say this morning other than when Jesus returns, he's going to return with the inclination to hold you accountable, not for working at IBM or Xerox or the major companies, not for the bottom line of your net worth and the sales you have. That which God will hold you accountable upon his return is your participation with the church. That you be the church. And so Matthew 24, 44 says, You also must be ready, therefore, when the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect him. As Jesus returns in verse 45, he says, Who then will be this faithful, thoughtful servant, faithful, wise servant, whom his master made a leader, a participant over his whole house to give them food in due season? Verse 46, blessed is the servant whom when his master comes, he will find doing. I solemnly declare to you that he will set him over all his possessions. Verse 47. And then verse 48, it says, But if that servant is wicked and says to himself, my master has delayed and he's going to be gone a long time. I don't know what your participation is. As I woke up this morning, I realized that many of us have a lot of different concepts of what we're doing upon the earth and what we're planning. But the the greatest of concerns is your participation In this thing called church. And you say, where was it born and how did it start? The first words in the Bible, in the New Testament, Matthew 16, verse 18, Jesus had this concept in him for a long time. He says, um, I will build my church. I will build my church and it will stand against all hell. Shall not prevail against it. I'm going to build this thing called the church and it's a fascinating concept it's it, it's all peoples of all ages of different backgrounds social structures the rich the poor uh, those in between the uh, men and women children boys and girls all these coming together in this body called the church and and Jesus uh, in Acts chapter 2 verse 47 he says that they begin to praise God and they used to, uh, all peoples used to see how good the church was. And the Lord added to the church daily those who would be part of this salvation. I don't know how you uh, landed in church this morning. I don't know what the invitation is. But I know that the Lord is, is trying to add you to his purpose. He's trying to add you to this thing called the church. Um, and 29 years ago, when I came to the church for the first time, I didn't understand what was going on. It was kind of different than what I was accustomed to. And, and somehow or another, the Lord inserted me into the church, inserted. And I started hearing his voice and lining up with his call and being a part of what God has called me to do for the church. And every certain single one of us that are added to the church begin to serve the Lord. And he says, blessed is that servant who, when his master returns, he finds him doing what he needs to be doing. And that's all I live for every day. I think when you become a part of the church, that's all you care about, to be found faithful to the Lord. Yeah, there is work, and I'm an attorney, and I practice law, and for many years I served in the church as an attorney. And as I continued to follow the call of my life, it led to being a pastor and to be uh, an evangelist. And, and, and this dysfunction this of the church is twofold. The church is doing two things. I hope you understand. There's only two things the church is doing. Ready? Here it goes. Reaching the lost. Serving the unbeliever. And there's not a week that goes by that I'm not... Left and right, with every unbeliever that the Lord places in my heart and in my presence, to reach out to them so that they could come, like somebody being invited to come into Noah's Ark. They don't even realize what's coming down the road, but we're inviting them to jump on ship, to be a part of what God is doing. And so to become believers. So the first part is the church is involved in the Great Commission to reach the lost. And if you used to be lost, and the Lord has brought you in, I can't think that you would not make yourself available to those people that are lost to give them what you have received, to tell them what you have learned. And so that's the first function of the church. And it's not the pastor called to reach the lost. He told every single believer, you guys go to the whole world. Um, That's why it becomes good. You don't have to guess who it is. Everybody needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everybody, if it's a friend, if it's a cousin, if it's a neighbor, ex- express what God has done. And some people say, hey, I don't wanna hear it. I don't want the gospel. You say, wait, listen to me, do me a favor. It's, it's my responsibility, so just listen to it and then do whatever you want. And, and one guy told me, well, I believe that Jesus Christ was a Martian. I said, okay, okay, I understand, but let me tell you who he is. He's the son of God, and he died on the cross because God loves you, and he died and gave his blood so you might be saved, and if you receive his sacrifice, if you receive that gift of salvation, you'll be saved, and so he says, no, I'm not interested. I said, hey, listen to me. I'm not forcing you to what you don't want. I just need to share with you the message. My responsibility is to make sure that I clearly And in the right attitude, express the heart of God. There's a verse in the Bible that says, as if Christ, as if God himself were calling these people. How would God call a people, if if you gave your son to die for somebody and you're trying to reach that person with with that message, how would you do it? You wouldn't say, you're going to hell, mister. You're going to see, you're going to burn in hell. Your your fire's going to fall on your head. You're going to rot in eternity. That's not the message we have. The message we have is the love of God. And it's it's real historically because there's an event called Jesus' death on the cross that stands as a witness to all peoples everywhere. It doesn't matter where they're from. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter if they're Muslim, if if they're Jewish. Some people say, I'm not going to preach to him because he's Jewish. Listen to me. You would do a great service to be able to be a messenger to the people of Israel that don't believe in Jesus. And the strongest believers in Jesus are Jewish people, are people who have come to know the Lord. And so that's the first function of the church is an evangelical. It's, the word evangelical, spreading the good news. And, and you have to have good news if you're going to spread it. If you read with me Psalm 51, I believe it's verse 12. Um, David says, I can't tell people about you when I'm feeling rotten. He says, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Let it be real to me. Why? Because verse 13, then I will teach others your ways. If it's real to me, I could pass it on to someone else. You can't pass on what you don't have. So make it real to you. Make make the good news of God's salvation real to you. Then sinners will be converted. If the, and you can pray like, like David prayed. Lord, put that joy in there. Let me experience the joy of being saved that I might then go and reach the lost. And so you'll see that the most powerful witnesses of the gospel are those that have received it in its full glory. So I promise to tell you two things. One is what the church is doing, which is reaching the lost. And those people that are unbelievers, that they might believe. The second thing the church is here for, say with me, to perfect the saint. Those that believe, the one function is to reach the unbeliever. The second function is those that believe now need to be perfected. Their character needs to be transformed. We all love the experience of the presence of God, right? This is just a glorious reality. We love the presence of God. Well, God wants to transform you so that people might love your presence, so that you would be like Jesus, so that you would go touch lost people, so that you, listen to me, ready? This is powerful. You climb on the cross. And you be crucified for others. That's where everybody leaves church. That's where people do not want to engage. They're like, oh man, those people tried to kill me. They didn't want me to express myself. They didn't want me to go where I wanted to go. They didn't want me to do what I wanted to do. That's that's why people find it very hard to integrate, to be part of the church. You want to know why? Because the church is the body of Christ. It's a crucified body. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live for the Lord's purpose. And so church becomes a place where uh, people are being transformed from glory to glory into the very express image of Christ. We see that in um, Ephesians chapter 4 in verse uh, 12 He says that that he has done a work in the church so that we might all, verse 13, edifying the body of Christ until we all reach the unity of the faith of the Son of Man till we become the perfect man to the measure, stature, and fullness of Christ. Verse 14, that we no longer carry about as children, distracted, entertained, moving in every... You, you see them. I, I had a great time on Friday night as I saw the little ones, the real little ones. They look like that the little boy from The Incredibles. It's just... If you, you want to do a workout, forget the gym, forget aerobics. Just tell one of these mom, I'm going to take care of your kid for half hour. You will work out like crazy because children are constantly moving no, they're distracted, they don't focus, they don't pay attention, they, they don't listen, and, and that's not the type of people that God wants in His church. It's good in a season for you to be born again and for you to start coming to church. But part of becoming the church is a place where we start gathering together. In Psalm 133 verse 1 it says, Behold how good and amazing it is when everybody comes together in perfect harmony. Look how good and pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. Why? Verse 2. It's like a precious oil. God could send down his Holy Spirit. He could send down his presence to a people that are united and that, that oil will flow all the way down to the feet. Verse three, he says, there is the place that God will command incredible blessings and a life we don't know. An eternal life. In the gathering, the unity of his people. That's what makes church so powerful. Everything we have seen gone on here, it doesn't matter what you see as an expression of the church. It involves... A group of people that come together for a common purpose. This morning, somebody opened the church. Can we give a hand to that person? Turn to your neighbor and says, it wasn't me because I was in bed sleeping. I, I was doing aerobics at the beach. I, I wasn't opening the church. But see, that one person that woke up super early and came to church opened the door. Super instrumental. Another person came in and turned on the lights. Another person came in and started the cafeteria. Another person came in and started the practicing worship. Somebody turned on the sound system. Somebody sweeped the front of the church this morning. I brought a blower. They were here at 8 o'clock in the morning, way before we all got here, and was cleaning the parking lot. So everybody has a place in the body of Christ. And it's only when we come together in purpose to serve in unity that we are seen in the world as the body of Christ. The church is not a place of selfish people. The the church is a place of crucified people. And there's only one way that we could all come together. In Matthew 18, 19, he says, Again, I tell you, if two or more gather about whatever they may ask upon the earth, it shall come to pass. Matthew 18, 19. It requires a gathering of those few that will purpose to walk in the same mindset. Say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything they may ask, it will be done for them by my Father that is in heaven. Can I tell you a secret this morning? That you will find a lot more people you disagree with than you agree with. Almost everyone, even your own reflection in the mirror, you said no. And he was saying, yeah this is exactly what you look like this morning. You can disagree with almost anybody you run across, but the church is a place of agreement. It's a place where we all come into the unity of the faith. We all have a purpose, one to reach the lost and get better at it. I love the other day I was at the La Carreta, and a couple of guys were with me. We had just finished the men's meeting, and the whole team of the Miami SWAT, the Miami Dade County SWAT team was there. They were all in their SWAT outfits, big muscles, leaves rolled up, bad, tough guys. And I said, I'm gonna have fun now. I'm gonna talk to them about the Lord. And it's almost like Jackie Chan you gotta be careful because one guy will hit you from here speaking about something, the other guy from here. But by the end of that time of reaching them for the Lord, they all realize the one same thing. They need the Lord. They need God. Doesn't matter how tough, how rich, how well-known you are, the message of the gospel is powerful. I'm reminded like three years ago, we were at the Miami International Airport. I come up to Sylvester Stallone. I say, Mr. Stallone, I would like to speak to you. And he says, about what? <laughs> and I say, well, I'm a pastor, and I want to I wanna talk to you. And he says, I don't need a pastor. Well, just two months ago, his son just killed himself, overdosed. He did need a pastor. He just didn't realize it. He did need Jesus. He does need God. His son needed God. It might have been a divine appointment. See, I didn't drop the ball. I did not not go up to him because... Five times he went by, I said, I'm not going, I'm not going, I'm not going. Okay, go, Lord, I'm going. And I walked up to him and just talked to him about the Lord. This unity issue, Philippians chapter 2, verse 1, Paul says nothing is going to happen with the church until you get united. And if it's in fact true that you have met Jesus Christ, you will show it by your ability to come together and serve in a body if there's any consolation in Christ, if there's any comfort that there's real love, if there's any fellowship in the spirit, if you have truly been touched by the heart of God, by the hand of God, if you've been saved, if you're part of a, you call yourself a believer, verse two it says, then fulfill my joy by having the same mind, being of the same love, being of one accord, doing the things on one team. We can't say we know the Lord and, and we're not part of the team. Well, you know, we have baptisms today. Everybody's like, and they walk away from baptisms. We baptized nine people last week. It was a glorious time. In a church of 500, there was 20 people there. Obviously, it's going to be a scene, but if we all go, we'll go to the beach and we'll make a scene. We'll show the people that there are still people willing to obey the Lord Jesus Christ. This is it the birth of baptism, and I encourage you, if you're not water baptized, to get baptized. The Bible says that when you start obeying God, you could consider yourself part of the people of God. Obedience is the oxygen of the Christian. If you don't obey, you're going to existiate, You're going to die. You're going to suffocate. But Paul says, being of one mind, being of one faith, being of one love, doing things together. This is the evidence that you are part of the church. Acts chapter 2, verse 1, it says they were all together on the day of Pentecost. They were in one place, in one accord, all praying to the Lord. And that's when the manifestation of God showed up. Romans 15, 5 says that the grace of God that will come upon your life will allow you to press in to this mystical body and serve. Everyone has an expression of that service. May the God of patience and comfort grant you to be able to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus. That word one another is all over the New Testament and is evidence of those who have met Jesus Christ. Love one another, serve one another, encourage one another, wash one another's feet, care for one another, carry one another's burdens. One another, one another, one another, one another. Look at your friend and say, you're my other. You're my other. You're my other. other. Well, why weren't you here last week? One man told our pastors and missionaries in Nicaragua, he joined the church. He was one of the prominent men in town. He's a professional, and he came to church and started, and he disappeared for like six months. He never didn't come back. And he comes to the pastor, and he says, Pastor, I'm your right-hand man. And he, the pastor said, every time I look to my right, my right hand is there. But when I look, you're not there. How are you calling yourself my right-hand man when you're never there? And so if we're going to be the body of Christ, that unity is evidence. Let's go back to Romans 15, verse 6. It says that together, that you might be with one mind, one mouth, glorify God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. One mouth. That you together, united in hearts, united in voice, would praise God On verse seven, as we're united, we welcome and receive one another just as Christ received us. That's the plan. If you have a one another problem, if you have, listen to me, if you have a one another problem, you are not the church. In fact, the Bible commands us that if we see someone who's not one another, to ask them to leave the church. That's powerful. You want to be so selfish, you only come to eat, but when it's time to clean, it's time to serve, it's time to love, it's time to encourage, you're not the church. And the Bible says some have snuck in and they're sitting here going, they look like owls. Who? who are you talking about? You. I'm talking about you. And if we were to read Romans 16, I'll show you how the Bible says not all of them are inclusive because of those people that do not walk in one another. Romans 16, 17, he says, I urge you, brethren, that you put a mark, that you note, that you write down. Have you ever taken notes in college? Some of you, yes. Some of you, no. The ones that did, you passed. The ones that didn't, didn't pass. Note those who break up and cause divisions and cause stumbling and walk contrary to what the Lord has taught us. What do we do with those people? He says, avoid them. Have nothing to do with those that do not love one another. Had a brother two uh, weeks ago. He writes me a text. I haven't seen him in a year and a half. He hasn't talked to me in over a year. And he writes me a text. He says, I love you. I haven't changed. I said, I know you haven't changed. You're still the wicked man you've always been. If we don't do what the Lord says, then how do we consider ourselves the people of God? Here it says, mark those who are breaking up the unity. Mark those that are walking contrary to what God has taught us. People, Pastor, you're too strict. I said, listen to him. it's not me, it's Jesus. It's not me. Jesus told everyone who wouldn't walk like he wanted to, bye-bye. If you don't deny yourself, if you don't pick up your cross, if you don't walk towards the love of God and love of others, you're not worthy to be my disciple. And people always say, Pastor, why do you bring these messages on Sunday? I don't know. This is the Lord's house. I'm sharing the Lord's word to those that want to be the Lord's people. Why am I going to sit there and tell people who just come every once in a while that they're doing fine? So when they get to heaven, they say, who's your pastor? Pastor Joaquin. He never told me. Yes, I did today. Today, I'm telling you that if you do not deny yourself, if you do not serve the body of Christ, if you do not join to the body of Christ, you're not his disciple. You have an appearance of godliness. You have an appearance that you're a Christian. You're no more a Christian than you are a chair. You're not. So here it is, when we see these verses like this, we freak out. And he says, I encourage you. That word urge, it's urgent. That's where the word urgent comes from. I make this a top priority. That you notice those that do not one another. They don't love one another. They don't serve one another. They don't pray with one another. They don't comfort one another. They're doing their own thing. And they're contrary to the teaching they cause separation have nothing to do with these that's not my team my team is doing the opposite instead of dividing they're uniting instead of tripping up they're lifting up instead of walking contrary they're walking in the flow of God's teaching and they're learning these things hebrews 10:25 paul was teaching the same thing let us not give up gathering With one another. Do not forsake gathering together as some have already caused it to be their normal scenario. Instead, call one another's attention. There's another one another. Call one another's attention. Who did you call this week that didn't participate? Who wasn't involved? Who wasn't involved in serving and reaching out? And it says, and all the more as he's about to come back. Blessed is the servant who finds his master finds him doing what he's supposed to be doing when the master returns. I, I couldn't preach anything else this morning other than to get you to understand that the Lord is about to return and he wants to find you involved in his work upon the earth. He wants to see you. Matthew 28:18. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. So you go and make disciples of all nations. You're baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you're teaching them to observe everything I've commanded. Behold, I'm with you all the days of my life. To the very end. Amen. To unbelievers, we're reaching for the Lord. To believers, we're telling them to be transformed in the character of Christ. Are you part of that? Are you part of that work? Are you becoming prepared? The amount of time we spend upon the earth concerning ourselves, and listen to me, it's fine. I have no issue. You have to go to work. I'm sure at work there's somebody that needs to know the Lord. I'm sure of it. I'm sure there's a Christian there which you should call his attention, that he could serve better, that he can serve more faithfully, that he could be more united, more encouraging, that he might be transformed to the character of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says that we, the church, are the body of Christ, and each one of you individually is a member, severally and distinctly. You are the body of Christ, and you are each an individual member. Could I ask you what member you are? Are you an eye, an ear, an eyebrow, an eyelash? Are you a lung, a kidney, a liver, a pancreas? Are you a functioning member? Are you a little toe? Little toes are important, especially in the last couple of weeks. I've crushed both of them. And so I walk with a limp. If you're a little toe in this body, this church is walking with a limp. This, This church is not fully Put together. I remember when I first became a Christian and I started understanding these things. I said, Lord, I'm so insignificant and I'm so bad at what I do. Just make me the little toe on your foot. But I want to be part of the member of your body. I want to be part of that glorious body you've put together. And how do we do this? Verse 31, it says, desiring to serve in the place of your gifting.'" Let's go back to 1 Corinthians 12, 31 there. Earnestly desire the best way you can serve. And yet I'll show you how you can serve. And he talks about love. The whole next chapter is the whole entire chapter of love. If you don't serve other people, you love nobody. That's that's the hallmark. You can't love God if you don't serve him. If you don't take a place, people say, how, how come you're so faithful to the Lord, pastor? Listen to me, because I love nothing more in my entire existence than God. That's, that's my devotion is towards him who rescued me when I was on my way to hell. And so my entire life is before him as a sacrifice. Romans 12, 4 says, so in Christ, in the church, there are many distinct forms, but one body. As we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, functions. Um, I thank God this week I was talking to the men. I said, look, I don't know how to change a faucet. There's some men that don't know. I know how to do a lot of things, but I don't know how to change a faucet. And so we had the faucets in the ladies' bathroom for like six months, if not a year, broken. And, and I, I, I can attest to one thing. We have no ladies that know how to put in faucets. They don't know. They didn't. And so the men went, and it and got fixed in two seconds. As soon as I mentioned it, somebody says, Pastor, I know how to do that. And the very next day, it took them 15 minutes, and the faucets were changed. And so each one of us has a gift that we're to serve consistently out of love to our Lord, to be able to serve one another. I know one of the school teachers here at church says, I want to, be, I want to do tutoring, so when the kids come at the midweek service, I'll be in the cafeteria, and I'll help them with their math. That's a gift. That's service. I, I have the ability to generate uh, such and what, and I'm going to put it into the body. Uh, verse 5 says, so we that are many. Look how many people are here this morning. We being many are to live as one body in Christ. Individually members, but we belong to one another. Another man came up and says, I just got certified as an AC mechanic. I'm here. And we had our ACs broken last week, and, and they serve faithfully, doing what they do in many uh, arenas. There's teachers that teach our Sunday school. We thank God for their lives. The discipleship, the men's group, the women's group. Being many, we all serve one another. Having different gifts, verse 6, according to that which God gives. Having different gifts to the grace that is given to us, let us use it properly. Let us use it in the way that God desires. For God is coming soon to his church. Coming soon. And our motivation is, as he comes, let him find us doing what he has called us to do. He writes to the churches in the book of Revelations to the church. He says, I see your works. Work on this. Fix this. Repair this. Get away from that. Return to your first love. Serve one another. Let's stand this morning. The church is powerful. The church is glorious. I had a friend of mine tell me, I grew up in church and I could write a book this thick of all the bad things that are in the church. I said, because you're a wicked man. You put your focus on that which is bad. You could write a, ch- a book this big of all the good things. You have decided to be like a Pharisee. You go and you strain the gnat, which is that little fly, and you say, look, I got something bad. And then everything that's good, that big camel, you swallow. Unbeknownst to you, that God is faithful. This morning, the Lord challenges you to be part of his church. Spring of life is a manifestation of his church. The key of the church is that there's one Lord. There's one head over the church. It's Jesus Christ. What we do in this place is serve Jesus Christ faithfully. We honor Christ faithfully. We're part of reaching out to the lost. We do that on a daily basis. We're part of perfecting the saints. Every time I come over to a person, I said, you need to stop having that manifestation. You need to stop walking in a way that is not like the Lord. They get offended. They get upset. They even tell me, I thought you were my friend, pastor. I said, I'm not your friend. I'm your pastor. And I got to present you to the Lord as a faithful bride without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish, without stain. You need to honor God. I'm here just as as a messenger. And I I, I pray that you never get a different message. I pray you don't get a fun message. I pray you don't get a twisted message. I, I pray that you get the message. And so the Lord asks you this morning, are you part of the church? Are you part of that world-changing church? Our vision is to change the world. It's not a new vision. If you read Acts chapter 17, verse 6, it says, these are those that are turning the world upside down. We're telling husbands to be faithful to their wives. We're telling wives to respect their husband. We're telling children to honor their parents. We're telling men to be men, women to be virtuous, and children to honor their parents. That's the church. Our bodies are a reflection of our spiritual devotion. To groom your body, to groom your clothes, to groom your hair speaks of the order of his spirit. And when you see somebody far from the spirit of God, you see confusion. And our God is not a God of confusion. He's a God of order. And so that's why the church is conformed to the image of his likeness. Father, we thank you this morning for this word. And we give you thanks that it's a refreshing word as you continue to make deep spiritual truths simple that we might understand and that we might obey. Give us an obedient heart. Give us a willing spirit. Let us surrender before your presence. We pray in Jesus' name and the people of God say amen and amen. God bless you.